0: Pastor Xavier Reese with this simple truth about stewardship and the Christian walk. Do not present your members as
1: instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Chapter 6 of Romans presupposes that you have the ability and so do I. So no one can say, I cannot. All I can say is I will not. That's pretty
0: heavy, isn't it? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Just like it would be unthinkable to feed an infant a steak dinner, a mature adult would hardly be satisfied on a steady diet sipping formula from a bottle. In the same way, the Apostle Paul expected the believers in the church at Corinth to have been matured in their faith over time. Inasmuch that the lure of carnality served up by the world had advanced into more of a hungering after the solid food and spirituality enriching Word of God, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the simple truths of First Corinthians. Jeremiah
1: told the people of his day in Jeremiah thirteen twenty two through twenty three, and if you say in your heart, Why have these things come upon me? For the greatness of your iniquity, your skirts have been uncovered. Your heels made bare. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard its spots? Then may you also do good who are accustomed to doing evil. As long as you're in this body, ladies and gentlemen, as a Christian, you will have sin nature. And if you look upon people in the world, in the church, and say, How could they have done that? I can't believe them. Every Christian has a potential of carnality. It is a choice that you will make through life. I'm going to repeat this through the sermon. Don't miss it. A Christian can never say, I cannot. All he can say is, I will not. God's not the other confusion. Confucian. He calls you. He enables you. It's a choice. Paul addressed the Corinthians in a similar manner. As Jeremiah here, as he came to the third chapter of this letter, telling them that they were in a carnal state. Evident by three things. Let me read here, one through four. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual people, but as, a, as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Paul, as he tells them of their carnal state, is demonstrated by these three things. First, verse 1, the declaration of their carnal state. Secondly, Verse 2, down to the first part of 3. The confrontation of their carnal state. And then thirdly, the rest of 3 and 4, the condemnation of their carnal state. The declaration of their carnal state comes first. Look at 1. The Apostle Paul conferred to them the identity of family, the family of God. And I, brethren. Paul returns to the first person I am Paul places the pronoun I in an emphatic position in the Greek grammar he was the one who had come alone to Corinth they knew this Paul alone preached the gospel to them at the beginning faithfully Paul was joined by Silas and Timothy later on as Paul left Athens they left Berea And they caught up with him at Corinth. But notice that even though they're in a Corinth, he calls them brothers. Okay? Over and over again. Paul received them as believers, look at that, in Christ. He once again calls them brethren Adolpho. From the same womb. Born of the same womb. This is the sixth time that he says it. He's going to use it a total of 37 times. So there should be no... Argument about whether these people are born again or not. They're born again. He expected them as children of God. To live up to what they were. He opened up in chapter 1 verse 2. And called them the church of God. He called them sanctified in Christ. He said call saints. Not "called to be. To be is italics That's not in the original Greek. So that's what's good about the New King James and the Old King James. When you have italic words, that means it's not in the original text, but they put it in so it makes better sense. But at least they're honest enough to let you know what they've inserted. Other translations don't do that. Okay? So it's an honest footnote. Call saints. Either you're a saint or a name. Okay? Now, notice the Apostle Paul confronted their tragic spiritual condition. He says, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal as to babes in Christ. Again, the word people is inserted, it's not there, but it's understood. Paul stated he was unable at the present time to speak to them, listen, as mature believers. The word spiritual, pneumaticos, means simply to be in tune with the things in the Word of God with understanding. The Word of God, the ways of God, the wisdom of God, chapter 1 and 2, right? The wisdom of the world, the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God is synonymous with the gospel. Right? That's what he's saying. He couldn't speak to them this way. They had culturalized the gospel. They had brought the world into the church. They were thinking worldly, as we'll see. Now, the quality of being spiritual, nomadikos, in a word ending in ikos, means controlled by. So it's to be controlled by the Holy Spirit in spiritual things. This is the negative. They weren't. That's why you couldn't speak to them. You see? Age is not an emphasis here, but rather one's proportionate conduct to one's age. That's important. Now, if a Christian is 3, 20 years old, whatever it may be, they're growing, developing, and maturing in proportion to the time, then they're spiritual. They're growing, they're advancing, they're checking things out. But if that person is 3 or 20 years old, But not in their growth and development and maturity. Then they're carnal. Right? Simple. Your child is 15 years old. He's got a brother who's 10 years old. And he's acting like an 8 year old. Younger than the younger. You say, hey, act your age. Right? Now the word is used 26 times in the New Testament. Paul uses it for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, comparing spiritual things with spiritual in chapter 2, verse 13, as we saw. So having the mind of Christ, we can hear the Word of God from the pulpit or when anybody says something, and we take that spiritual truth that supposedly is from the Bible, and we compare it to the Bible to make sure it's biblical in its context. Okay, And then we compare Scripture with Scripture, So as to have Scripture interpret Scripture, the whole of meaning. We know the Bible doesn't contradict itself, nor bring confusion. Example, by comparing Scripture with Scripture. You have the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They take one event, all three of them take a different perspective on it, a different focus. So some people say there's contradictions. No, no, no. It's like... Four people being on four corners. An accident happens. The policeman comes. He takes a report. Every one of those four individuals will give information about what, what they saw. But from their perspective and vantage point, they will each be able to give something that the others could not see. The policeman does not say, well, somebody's lying here. He just says, I get the full picture. You understand? So we compare Scripture with Scripture, so we let Scripture interpret Scripture. And we say free and out of the text. You understand? Very important. And we have the mind of Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God to do that. He will use it for the Gospel and part it to the Corinthians in chapter 9, verse 11, when he says, if we have sown to you spiritual things, meaning the Gospel, and he's going to talk about taking material things for the poor saints, okay? And the Gospel. He will use it for the gifts of the Holy Spirit in chapter 14, 1, where it says desire spiritual gifts. Now the word gifts is in italics also. It's inserted so you understand that chapter he's talking about gifts. Though it's not there, as you go through the context, it's evidence gifts. So it's inserted so you understand it from the beginning. You understand? And he will use the word 15 times in the letter. And every one for things in the realm of the new life in Christ. Spiritual things. This is the word, mnemonicas. Pneuma, spirit, breath, wind. Now, notice Paul stated that he was only able at the present time to speak to them as to carnal. The word carnal, sarkikos. There's another ikos, controlled by. It means simply to be fleshly, in tune with the things of fallen, depraved nature, the world. The worldly views, the worldly perspective, the worldly ways, and the contrast is marked by the word but, between spiritual and carnal, all right? But, the Corinthians are Christians, all right? He's not using the word for one who's not born again, sukikos one not regenerated, but he's talking about one who is, but living like he isn't, Okay? That's a choice. The quality of being carnal, Sarkikos here, is to be controlled by the fleshly human nature then. Though they're born again. Now, notice the Apostle Paul then compared them to newborn believers. Paul considered the Corinthians as babes, don't miss it, in Christ. That's not italics, that's in the text. In Christ. The word babes simply means infant. A little child, someone who's just been born, a little baby, they're cute, all that, legitimate. They wet their pants, you don't get mad at them, that's what they do. Now, you get your son, and he's 18, and he wets his pants, you get a little upset, okay? It's a little difference, okay? Paul uses the word five more times in one verse, that's all. 1 Corinthians 3.11, when he speaks about childish things, when I was a child, I put away childish things, so on and so forth. He's talking about the gifts, the abuse and misuse of the gifts. So this word is only used five more times, and it's used in only one verse. 1311. Okay? Both times they are used in context of a negative connotation. Nothing wrong with infants if they're infants. Now when someone is a babe in Christ by just having been born again, that's legitimate. It's a legitimate state, but only as a start, not to remain there. If you've just been born again recently, your goal is to grow in Christ to the full stature of Christ. That's the purpose of the church, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10 on down. They found themselves, notice, in an arrested spiritual state. They were acting like children when in fact they should have been further along spiritually. They were living by their selfish ways of thinking and acting. Once again, a Christian cannot say, I cannot he can only say, I will not. And that's rebellion. You as a parent, when you ask your child to do something, you do it because you know he's able to do that. When he's five years old, you don't say, hey, go trim the 50-foot oak tree out there. It'd be unreasonable. If he's 10 years old, say, listen, I want you to take the trash out from the kitchen outside. It's reasonable. If he doesn't, then he's rebellious, right? Simple. There is um, no greater heartache than that of a father and mother. Who does everything for his son or daughter that they might prosper, advance, make the right decisions. Only to see them waste their life or bring destruction to their life. But there isn't a thing you can do as a parent once they grow. You can reprove them, you can warn them, pray for them. But you can't live for them. It's a willful choice. The potential for being carnal, ladies and gentlemen, is in every believer in Christ. Be they male or female. Be they rich or poor. Be they educated or not. Be they living in a third world country or America. Because it is a choice of one's own will to live a carnal life. To seek it, to yield to it, and to crave it. And the more you give in to sin, the less it will bother you and the more it will enslave you. He's talking to Christians, not non-believers. Romans 6, 11 through 13 says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. That's sin nature. What produces sin. But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, acts and deeds of sin, that you should obey it in its lust, strong desires. And do not present your members, instruments, weapons, right here. These weapons are for good or for my own destruction. My eyes, my ears, my hands, my feet. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Chapter 6 of Romans presupposes that you have the ability and so do I. So no one can say, I cannot. All I can say is, I will not. Wow, that's pretty heavy, isn't it? The potential destruction to a believer due to living carnal lives, sadly too often, becomes the reality, ladies and gentlemen. People do not pay heed to the warnings of the Holy Spirit or to those of people who love them about their drinking or messing around with drugs. And they end up destroying their marriage, their families, their health, and sometimes their lives. Nowhere in the Bible will you be able to give in a scripture that a Christian cannot drink. But the Bible warns me of the consequences and the danger and the sin that leads through alcohol. And I have life experience, my own life. All right? You may say, well, in the privacy of my own home, I, you know, I'm Italian. I mean, spaghetti, you know? <laughs> really? Okay. Well, let's take that scenario. So somebody comes in and says, uh, do you drink? What are you going to say? Now you're doing the privacy of your home so you don't stumble somebody. But somebody's going to ask you, are you, do you drink? What are you going to say? If you're truthful, which you should be, you could stumble your brother, right? Or give them a liberty. They're not going to be able to handle any of alcoholics, right? But let me give you a better scenario. You can handle that one glass of wine. But then you start having kids. And they're watching you. And though you may handle what you are able to handle in privacy and your child's growing up and they can. And you are the bad example. Why would you want to go there? Why? Drugs is the same thing. I've seen many people where you sit through the years destroy their lives with drugs. Men who had everything. Money, success, abilities, talents. Gone. Warning after warning. Chance after time. People don't pay heed to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and warning of people about the meddling with fornication, adultery. I keep messing around. You get to work and that sweet, wiggly little secretary, she just thinks you're the hardest thing since ice cream. And you just left your bride at home and she walked you out with those things on her hair. It looks like uh, there was an explosion. <laughs> and, and, and when you got to work... This, this sweet, wiggle little thing looks so nice, so gentle, and so delicious. And you're like an ox on your way to the slaughter. I believe the church is at fault of enabling alcohol and drugs in the church by facilitating studies for druggies and alkies. Okay? Because what we're saying is this you're special, you need special attention. So we're going to put you aside here because you're not as spiritual as we are. And then what happens is you become like a 12-step program. You guys sit there just licking each other's wounds. And you start being entitled, demanding more attention. And what we're doing as a church, if we have those studies, we're saying, you know, the gospel just quite doesn't cut it for you guys. Whoa, what an insult to the gospel. Listen to me. The gospel is as powerful today As it was in the first century church. It transformed murderers. It transformed the heart of people who saw their entire family slaughtered before their eyes. Do not insult the power of the gospel. Either you're a Christian or you're not. Either you're going to walk or you're going to be carnal. It's your choice. The world in the church. The culture in the church. What do you do? You dilute the gospel. You make it powerless. Man, people do not pay heed to the checks of the Holy Spirit as to their carnal state, living, speaking, and thinking like the world, living a substandard life in Christ. None of us are perfect. I wish I could tell you I don't sin. I fail. I don't want to. I get cleaned up as soon as I can. I go forward. I must demand change from my life. Galatians 6, 7, and 9 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. You understand that? There is not one exception, Christian or non-Christian. You go plant some corn. Don't expect strawberries. The declaration of their carnal state was from a broken-hearted father. Notice, secondly, In verse 2, the Apostle Paul gave witness to the fact that he was cleared from any fault from their carnal condition. This is the confrontation of the carnal state. Paul reproved them by reminding them that he had been faithful to feed them with proper nutrition. I fed you with milk. He portrayed himself to the Corinthians as a nursing mother. He does this in Galatians also. Loving, caring for her children. Wisely providing the spiritual sustenance that new life in Christ needs. The word milk indicates the most basic nourishment for an infant after they've been born. We're all familiar with that. Paul uses illustrations through the Holy Spirit using Paul and them. They use illustrations that would never go out of understanding. Ephesians 5.18 Do not be drunk with wine in dissipation or in excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Everybody in every generation would know what it is to get drunk, to be under control of that. It's never going to run out. No one's ever going to change the meaning of that. Milk. God is so wise. No one would say, Well, you know, the Bible is so hard to understand. I don't know what the guy is talking about. Yeah, really? Hmm. It has all the vitamins they need. That little baby. Milk. It's easy for the stomach to digest it. And it's craved by the infant. Now listen to Hebrews 5, 12 through 13. I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. If he didn't, then the person agrees with Paul. He just confirms what he's saying. But I believe Paul did. Listen carefully. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for he is a babe. You should have been farther along. You should be teachers by now, but you still have someone to teach you. You're unskillful because you you haven't developed by choice. Not because the word is inferior for you, not because you have an inferior salvation, not because the Holy Spirit is inferior to you, but because you have decided not to yield and be transformed and obey. Wow. Wow. When do we hear this on the radio? When do we hear this from, from pastor teachers? Paul reproved them again by reminding them that he did not feed them with inappropriate nourishment. He not only chose the right one, he excluded certain things. And not with solid food. The word solid food, Brahma, simply means what is eaten. Seventeen times it appears in the New Testament. Every time it means literally food to eat and it's translated meat or meats in the plural. Six times it's used in the letter. Chapter 613, 8, 8 and then 813 and 103 when it gets to the foods of, of offered to idols. We'll get there. Okay. Paul didn't give him us, uh, here. Open your mouth. I'm going to give you some steak. You a baby can't digest it. He'll choke. He'll die. The phrase solid food does not indicate two levels of the gospel. Here's a precaution. Be careful. That doesn't mean two Gospels, or two levels. He's indicating the basic fundamental teaching of salvation without going into deep details. He preached the Gospel. Jesus Christ came first time, crucified, died, rose again, the atonement of His blood, forgiveness of sin. If you believe in those provisions, He can forgive you of your sins. Real simple, real straightforward.
0: Mr. Xavier Reese, Renewing Paul's Challenge for Believers to be Appropriately Nourished Spiritually by the Simple Truths and Solid Food of the Word of God. Now, this important study is available for review again, anytime, by clicking on the Radio Listings link you'll find at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. You can also request a copy of today's challenging study, called Are You a Carnal Christian? As always, it's available on CD for just $4. Why not request an additional copy to pass along to someone in your Bible study or Sunday school class? The title once again is, Are You a Carnal Christian? Or simply mention today's date when you write. Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800 926 or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese says, if you want to taste and see that the Lord is good, enrich your diet with Simple Truths of God's Word. Hope you'll be back then.